general nerdery. So I've been on Twitter again, uh, twitter.com slash thumbsj, by the way. But uh, I do not like how quickly the Twitter algorithm has realized that I enjoy watching neckbeards dunk on themselves. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, what have been popping up for you? Because it sounds better than algorithms I've been running into lately. Comics gates, pretty much. Uh, okay. Which is weird white supremacist right wingers. A guy that I follow got into it with Comics Gate, and then everyone's like, oh, you enjoyed these people making fun of them. Let's just show you every terrible thing they do. And I'm like, oh, this is what people were talking about with social media algorithms. I understand now. Man, I had never had much of a problem. I mean, I understand the algorithms are a problem, mm -hmm. but like me personally, the algorithms have never intruded on my space until recently. The Facebook algorithm has been fucking horrendous What's for it me. For you, legitimately, ever since the rebrand to Meta, uh -huh. eighty percent of its um, like recommended pages to me have been very right wing. Yeah, I get a lot of. Uh... And the Ads other, that are here's super the thing though, like 80% <laughs> are like really right wing. 10% are just like weird, like really vague, positive posting type pages. <laughs> and then the other 10% are like full on anarchist. Well, they're going the full spectrum for you. I'll <laughs> at least appreciate that. Oh God. I... I'm pretty good at being like, nope, that's not wrong, and I need to move away from the darkness stuff. But, like, it, it was insidious how quickly it went from, like, oh, hey, mm -hmm. pretty comic art to, like, oh, Ethan Van Scriver showing his ass again. Mm -hmm. Lame. Anyway, we're not here to talk about any of that. No, but our news thing made me think of it. Um, <laughs> welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. This year is your podcast about liking things. And re-liking things. And re-liking things. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> we are diving back into our lost episode, The Legend of Grimjack. I mean, that's not the name of either of the stories we're talking about. No, but, but I saw it somewhere. I think that's what some of the, like, recollections was. And mm. it's just kind of stuck with me ever since. Nice. Yeah, no. Our last episode, which we put out the news section for, because that was salvageable. Yes. Because I actually Googled, not Googled, I uh, searched Grimjack on Spotify, and two things came up, and one was our episode being like, we're sorry. We fucked up. Have our news section. See you next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, our lost episode, because it's been long enough that I don't remember what I said. I remember some of it. We're going to find out as we go along. But before that... Before that... What have you been ingesting? What have I been ingesting? So something... Um, Technically, I was also ingesting for like a day and a half last time and didn't mention it because it hadn't really come up yet. I was just sitting around and like booted up my Xbox and they're like, you've been an Xbox Gold subscriber for so long that we're just going to give you five months of Game Pass for free. Okay. So I got Game Pass. I'm not 100% sure what Game Pass is. It's like... So Microsoft basically started Netflix for games. Oh, on okay, their yes. So it's just a bunch of here's these games for free and you pay a monthly fee or whatever. Yeah. Except they're like and they do a lot of like $1 for your first 6 months type promotions, mm -hmm. but in this case they were just like, "No, straight up like free for 5 months. Please keep <laughs> subscribing to us." And I was like, "Cool." And cuz up to that point like people kept asking like 
Yo, Game Pass legitimately might be one of the best like values in games right now. Hell yeah. But uh, especially if you also PC game, because the whole Microsoft thing, like you can go back and forth and like download those games on PC as well as the Xbox and like keep your save progress and bounce between and shit. Anyway, people kept asking me about it and I was like, no, because that's not the way I game anymore. Even though I still game a good amount, it's not like when I was a fucking kid. Yeah. You work 40 hours a week. Who the hell has time to spend another 40 on video games? And if you listen to this podcast every week, you know that, or every other week, as it were, uh, you know that, like, when I get on a game, I'm playing it for, like, half a year before I move on to the mm -hmm. next one. So, like, n this doesn't really hold a lot of value to me. Like, I understand why it's awesome for other people, but getting it for free means that I'm playing through Halo Infinite because I've loved Halo is that's the newest one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, fucking loved Halo since it first came out. Big Halo guy. Um, I did fall off a little bit past four. The one thing that I've held a grudge at about Halo for ever since Halo 1, to be honest with you, is it was one of the first person, only first-person shooters I played back then that didn't have a bots setting. Oh, yeah, Of, yeah. like, in if you wanted to do PvP, but you didn't have other people or an mm -hmm. internet connection or you just wanted to fight bots, uh, and they were like, nope, only versus people. And I'm like, I'm bad at this game, so I need dumb bots to shoot because the guy who owns Halo, I'm not even a challenge against. Yeah. And I know later games did some stuff to kind of fix that up for me because there was a a mode that I liked. I don't fucking remember. But when I think <laughs> I think currently in if you're doing the multiplayer... If there's not enough players to round out a team, they are currently putting in bots oh, so that it's at least not in ranked modes. Well, it just gave me, I mean, as someone who's not competitive in first person mm -hmm. shooters, it gave me stuff to do. Uh, there was Reach was the last one I played. It had a mode where it just would do like waves oh, of enemies. Yeah. So that was the only way I played. <laughs> um, honestly, the release, I wasn't, I kept up with the news on it and I wasn't mm -hmm. sure if I was going to play it or not. Because the multiplayer side of it, they unveiled pretty, it was pretty predatory. It was very, lots of microtransactions mm. uh, for lots of stupid things that were very much standard in all the previous games, including just like straight up red and blue. What? Yeah. You know, Halo, the game series that spawned one of the biggest machinimas of all time, Red versus Blue. You had, you had to, to pay, pay to for get red, red or blue. Or blue. Did they just give you the other colors? Not many of them. There's is... almost no customization until you start unlocking things. There are things to unlock in the campaign. I will say that, but including Ugh. some pretty cool things. Like I got a like metallic looking armor last night. That was pretty dope. But... Okay, that's neat. Like I I don't mind that, but like, believe me, it like. <laughs> When it draw, they've made it slightly better from what I've seen. It's still pretty microtransaction-y and, and still pretty predatory, but they're, like, there was a lot of really negative feedback right at drop to the point where I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to play this one. I'm so glad I'm now playing the campaign. Because but if it I is, don't have to pay for it. Yeah, if I don't have to pay for it, and, like, I've only played one multiplayer match, and, like, that doesn't really interest me as much in my old age as it did when I was a young buck. But, uh... The gameplay is probably the tightest Halo's ever played. Like, oh, I'm having good. a fucking blast. The story's really fun. Um, they seem to have corrected most of their missteps from the last one, which I did not play and just saw some bits of the story and how they mangled things and some shit were, was 
way out of lore and uh, yeah there was weird things happening but my knowledge of the halo story is pretty much the halo unraveled episode <laughs> of uh unraveled the show polygon used to do where a guy read brian david gilbert's his name he read all of the halo books in the space of a year mm. and then did an episode talking about like yo those books are fun as as he like unwinds as he's like i know more about halo than anyone ever should and i have no one to talk to about it <laughs> which i connected to in my very soul mm-hmm. not about halo specifically but you know about star wars but yeah um so that's been awesome um i also just uh rebought and downloaded diablo 2 and i'm excited to start that back up again that is what Mine was. (laughs) Um, And I'm like most of the way through a second viewing of the newest Witcher season because I've been going through it with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So So have you played Diablo 2? I booted it up for... Oh, yeah. Back in the day I did. Um, I never was into it as as into it as most of my friends back in the day because uh, Revelation, Diablo 2 was the first game I ever pirated and I was playing Oh, so your version sucked. So my version sucked and I was using a key gen to get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I did not get as into it as, you know, all my friends did back in the day, but I'm excited to be playing again. I did boot it up for about two hours the other night. I went through a phase in college. So like when Diablo 2 was like, getting near 15 years old. I mean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was not a new game by that point where me and a group of my friends got super into it. And for whatever reason, Diablo two is one of the few games in history that I have been good at. Hmm. So I got it for Christmas. What's your class? Uh, I've been playing as a bone necromancer in this one, but I usually go with sorceress. Okay. But I have a couple people I want to play online with. So I was going to save my sorceress for there. Mm. Uh, Mm Um, Bone Necromancer I like because he's not very good for the first, to be honest, 18 levels, but then he just becomes super good at clearing a room the moment you can get Bone Spear. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's so good. But I was like, all right, I'll load it up. And at first, it took me like two days to get in because uh, the email I use for like, oh, log into this account, the, you know, the stuff you never want to look at the emails for mm-hmm. is the same email that I've been using since I was a kid. And then <laughs> I have like my current email for blah, 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 blah. Right. So I was like, okay, load up, make it. And they're like, you still have an account with us. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you have my Battle.net account from 2009. I don't even want to know what's on there, but like I do. And it, I tried for like two days to log in on that one because I'm like, I've, I've got the new password. I've got the old password. Give me fucking, let me, just let me play Diablo. Yeah. I have given you the money. I want to play the game. And I finally gave up and just put it on my new account and mm-hmm. put Blizzard advertisements to spam. But God, I got, I played that game. I can't remember the last time I stayed up till 1, 1.30 in the morning playing video games. Because as, as a reminder, I usually get up at 4 or 5 in the morning thanks right. to work. So I got done with my work week and I got done recording last week and I sat down and I'm like, I'll play some Diablo. And next thing I knew I had finished the first act and was decently into the second act. My wife had gone to bed four hours ago and my eyes hurt. And I was like, God, I haven't had this in a while. It was awesome. Oh, it was so good. I played the next morning too. I got through uh, the, the fucking maggot layer or whatever okay. it is, which is really where bone spear kicks through because bone spear goes through the enemy and hits the people behind it too. So when you spam it, you're just causing damage in a straight mm-hmm. line. 
And so a place like the maggot layer, it is just mm, chef's kiss. Diablo's one of the few games I kind of suck with a necromancer. Not that it's it's Do easy you play to play a summon mancer. Okay, I was about to say it's easy to not suck with a necromancer. I realize that because you either just spam bone spear or you can go like flesh golem iron maiden. Also, especially poison. on bosses. The, the probably the most dangerous one I ever made was poison, but there is a whole lot of like ah, run up, stab it once, ah, run away until it dies. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know something about it. I always wanted to be good with that necro. It just. I don't know. Something about it just never did it for me. One of the few games I tend to go Paladin. See, I can't play Paladin in those games to save my fucking life. It's too bad that we're playing on different systems, because, God, that'd be such a good thing to stream playing a 25-year-old video game. Um, From back in the day, I remember I was never good at putting one together, but I really do like running Oradins when I can. Mm. And this time I'm probably going to level up a Paladin and turn him into a Hammered in. See, if you're playing one-on-one, that's kind of the way to go. Uh, auras are good if you're playing in a big organized team. And my group was never organized even <laughs> when we were a team, so I never did much of that. I also really want to... I I never did do it, but I want really want to make a passive zone just for fun. Passive zone? Oh, just... All the, the passive traits. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucked. Uh, ice lightning generally for a zone. Mm-hmm. Mostly ice. Uh, and I do want to make a barbarian for solo play because. Spin to win. Spin to win and jump. Uh, barbarians are one of those that they. They're like fighters in D&D. They just plateau way faster than I like, as opposed to any of the magic users that you start running and screaming, and then you hit a specific level in usually about 15 or. 10, I think, for Amazons, where suddenly you're like, I am the god or goddess of all things bow before me. <laughs> I will say, I was killing everything super easy, and I'm like, am I just way better at this game than I remember? What the hell? And then I checked, and I realized that I was set on the easiest setting uh. instead of player eight. And I switched it to where, like, in my brain is supposed to be, and I went from, like, nothing can stop me. I killed the Duchess without even, Countess, without even meaning to, like, I have died five times in the last half an hour. <laughs> I need to catch up on some levels. Nice. Um, have you been having the thing where, like, you look at it, and it's how you remember it until you switch it back to the old graphics? I haven't tried switching back to the old graphics yet. Um, okay. I keep meaning to. But I'm also busy getting shit done. Yeah. <laughs> it is, as I said, it's one of the only games I've ever been good at, so I have, like, a standard level of play I expect myself to perform at with that game. I I keep looking at it and being like, what's the update? This is just what I remember it. And then I'll hit the buttons to switch back, and I'm like, oh, no, that is, ooh, ooh. <laughs> we are both better. Switch it back, switch it back. <laughs> oh, God. And I know Blizzard, like, I don't feel great about supporting Blizzard, but there is a thing about legacy games that I super fall for. Also, I pirated it the first time. They might as well get some <laughs> for it. If you look at my video game collection, other than like Breath of the Wild and the newest Mario Kart, it's mostly like Crash Bandicoot remade, Spyro the Dragon remade, Crash Team Racing remade. <laughs> if Zack played it when I was 12 and they remade it, I want it. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, I, I, I've, God, I read so many things, and the other two things I have are stuff that I've just started. Mm. 
The Five Families by Selwyn Robb, which is a super in-depth book about the history of the mafia uh, from a reporter who kind of made his career reporting on the mafia. And I've only just hit the 40s and I still have like 20 hours wow. left in this audiobook. Uh, it is... I mean, it starts with, like, here are the rumors of where the name Mafia came from. Here's, like, these old Sicilian stuff. Mm -hmm. Bugsy Siegel just died this morning in my listen-through, and he was, like, the guy that made Las Vegas happen. Yep. Um, it's so interesting. I am a sucker for any... If anything was ever adapted to an old black-and-white movie that you should not romanticize, the mob, the pirates, the Old West, all of those, I fall for it. Every time <laughs> I romanticize all of it. I'm like, these were terrible. Tell me more, <laughs> please, please more. <laughs> uh, and then I started a, it does remind me that I've been hankering to rewatch the first two Godfathers, but I've been meaning to watch ever since I started listening to this. I mean, I've seen them, but it's been, yeah, it's been years. a while. Uh, and then I have started and this is in, it falls solely under my trash comics, but I enjoy them list a crossover from dynamite comics called prophecy that was tied to the mayan 2012 apocalypse prophecy like yeah. the idea is it's connected to that um written by ron mars who i mentioned when i said i was reading witchblade and stuff mm. i was like i like witchblade and then Never i read some mind. other stuff and i went i actually just really like ron mars and i, I mean i still enjoy bad comics but mm -hmm. like the level of difference but it's ron mars and it's uh so far, characters that have shown up have been Sherlock Holmes, Herbert West Reanimator, <gasps> Dracula, Dracula's daughter, Eva, who's from the Army of Darkness comics. Mm, okay. Vampirella, Pantha, and Red Sonia. Okay. And okay. it's all about Kulin Gath, the big sorcerer villain of Red Sonia, mm. traveling through time to create or to, to use the Mayan death prophecy, yada, 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 to become a god and destroy the world. Crazy. Uh-huh. That sounds The amazing. moment I saw Herbert West Reanimator popped up, I was like, well, I'm lending this to Tyler later on. Um, <laughs> I'm only like two issues in into, oh, and Athena, a goddess, just showed up. I don't know oh, what shit. comic she's from, okay. but there's... But she's there. There's an Athena in kind of bikini-ish armor in the Dynamite comics somewhere. She's there. She's there. I'm excited to learn more. It is trashy pulp, but I mean, it's not pretending not to be trashy pulp. And mm -hmm. as we discussed with like our, you know, Conan episode or wait, our old pulp novels episode way back when, sometimes that's just fun. Oh, geez, that episode was way back when now, wasn't it? Yeah, that was like a year, year and a half ago. We're over two years. We, we skipped our uh, two year anniversary thing, but like. Go us. We're at what, like 80 episodes? I now? don't remember. I don't know. I don't count these things. I mean, I do, but... 70? Anyways. I guess that's what I got for my stuff. News? Sort of news? News, sort of. We're probably going to revamp the news a little bit. Yeah. Part of the problem we're having is when we record is like two... What is it? Two or three weeks two before weeks we Two weeks before we drop the episode. So the news stuff, like we've got a news thing that we're going to talk about here that came out almost two weeks ago because it came out like the day after we recorded, which keeps of happening course. to us, especially on slow news weeks. <clears throat> and so like this will be a month old by the time it comes out. No one's going to give a crap. So we're not dropping the news, but 
it just might not happen sometimes. We're going to talk about it more. We're going to figure it out more. For sure, we're going to talk about trailers because it's shit to actually talk about uh-huh. that we've seen. And if, you know, oh, look, a huge comic thing happened that you're not going to hear about somewhere else, we'll probably mention that because it's what I do. Mm-hmm. I need somewhere to talk about that. <laughs> if there's something big enough that we just really want to talk about it, we're going to. On that note, with let's start with the big thing that happened that everyone's been talking about. Betty White died. Yeah. She was 99. She was Weeks. less than a month from 100. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually not that sad. I, that sounds so callous, but like... Look, I... It sounds real... It sounds bad. None of us meant it in a bad way. But me and two other people, mm-hmm. our first words were, oh, finally. It, it, we knew it was coming, is the problem. <laughs> it's kind of like Patrick Stewart. He's well into his 80s. And I'm like, oh, man, like... It's going to suck. It's coming. Yeah. Ian uh, McKellen. It's, it's going to suck. Oh, that one's, it's coming. I didn't even think about how that one's going to mess me up. Patrick Stewart, I will be inconsolable. Um, that's my that's my space dad. Yeah. Um, apologies to my real dad. <laughs> the other thing on this one for me is I I mean, I like if, it's hard not to like Betty White. She was fucking amazing. But I don't have any real close connections to her work. I didn't really watch Golden Girls growing up. Like, I remember it being on every once in a while, but we didn't have the channel. It was regularly on. Mm-hmm. And when I was a little kid, I was like, why do I care about four older women? You know, because little kids suck. And uh, I've seen a few episodes since. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. But like, you know, at yeah. this point, it's a, what, 30 year old? Something like that. Yeah, yeah it is not new. And then what was the other, the the sitcom she was on in like the... 70s and 80s that was huge 70s the oh i don't i don't know i didn't I don't even know. watch she that. was on another huge sitcom before that that i have seen like 20 seconds of and i've never seen her original show that she had like a, a talk show oh performance right, right, show right. that she did yeah i mean legitimately my biggest connection is lake placid the episode of community that she's in yeah and oddly grandma's boy mm which I didn't like, but I liked her. Was it Life with Elizabeth you were thinking of? No. Oh, it was one after that. Mama's Family? She's uh, done so much shit. God, yeah, no, she, I mean, she was on there forever. Oh, God, as I'm looking up what this is, I'm seeing a bunch of vaccine people are trying to claim that she died because she got the booster shot, which go fuck yourself. Honorary Marathon. Oh, Jesus, she did oh, so much. Oh, she did end up on the Mary Tyler Moore show, didn't uh, she? Carol Burnett show is the one I was thinking uh, of. Where, oh, dude, the Carol Burnett show is fucking hilarious. And the Mary Tyler Moore show where she was Sue Ann Nivens. Uh, Golden Which Girls. was a replacement character for a different character that had left. But, but I mean, it got her really major mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, I, I love Mary Tyler Moore show. And uh, Hot in Cleveland, which I don't know anything about, but I mean, that's 2010. She was just about to turn 90 and she had a five year run on a sitcom. Like that's Mm -hmm. you go girl. So it's a bummer, but neither one of us are that close. Like it's kind of more an icon has died. It's like, yeah, when Willie Nelson dies, I'm going to be like, Whoa, that sucks. And now I'm going about my day and I'm going to have to call my dad as he's helplessly crying. But like, (laughs) you know, but she's amazing. So, Godspeed, Betty White. Two trailers. We got two trailers. Uh, Let's go with the older one first. Doctor Strange and the the Multiverse multiverse of Madness. Madness. 
the two things that I was most excited about in this trailer are the two things that are like the smallest reveals in this trailer. One, we definitively see Shumagorath. Yes. Who is just a big blob with a single eye and a bunch of tentacles coming. He pretty much looks like a, a oh God, it's a D&D species. And now I can't think of what it's called. Uh, he's kind beholder? of a beholder. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Uh, kind of looks like a beholder. He's like a beholder mixed with Starro. Oh my God. I love everything about that description. Uh, Shumagorath is the, we didn't have the rights to HP Lovecraft because he hadn't entered the public domain yet. But, um, but look, here's tentacles. You know what we're getting at? This is clearly HP Lovecraft's old ones, but not for, uh, copyright reasons. And he's not even the best Doctor Strange villain. I just visually think he's cool. So seeing Shumagora at the school. And then we get like a half second reveal of the back of Miss America Chavez. So I've watched this trailer a number of times. Okay, now. this is that was my second time and one was on a computer or on a mobile phone. Almost every time in that trailer, Strange has someone behind him. It's almost always America. It seems like she's really important for some reason and he's protecting her. Good. That makes me very happy. Miss like, America Chavez. Like when he cuts that bus in half, mm-hmm. that's her behind. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. Miss America Chavez is possibly the best creation Marvel has come up with in the last 15 years, which is saying a lot considering that in the last 15 years, we've gotten both Miles and Spider-Gwen. Mm-hmm. Like she is so fucking cool to me. Although they did away with her origin story that she comes from a utopia where her lesbian superhero mother gods were like her parents. Yeah. They're like, that might be a little hard to translate. <laughs> you shut up and do it exactly. <laughs> um, also, like right before the narration kicks in in a big way, when there's like that real quick cut of a portal, uh-huh. it's hard to tell with how close, how quickly the camera zooms in on it. But that is a star shaped portal. So that's her thing, because she mm-hmm. kicks portals through the multiverse. Yes. I do think it, I was reading today, originally this movie was supposed to come out before the new Spider-Man movie. Mm. But thanks to COVID, things got weird and stuff, and they did significant rewrites to both of them. Apparently, well, and originally it had a different director. Yes, because it was the, the guy who did the first one. Yeah, Scott Derrickson. I'm excited to see Raimi do it. I just like Raimi. Me. I can't wait to see more actual Raimiisms in it. It didn't look very Raimi in this, and I'm worried that we're going to lose some of that. But, I mean, they let Taika do Taika. Yeah, they let Taika do Taika. You know they're going to let do uh, Raimi do his uh, quick-cut zooms as somebody's assembling something. Yeah, I'm just... I, I like Raimi as a director. I don't like horror movies, so I don't get to watch a whole lot of Raimi. And Bruce. And Bruce. Oh, I can't wait to see where Bruce is. Maybe he'll be the voice for Shumagorath. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope he's the voice for Shumagorath. I was going to say, I hope he's a, an alternate universe strange, because we know at least one of those show up. Oh, that'd be great, Because we too. see him in the trailer. Yeah. But apparently, it's probably a good thing that these switched orders, because it really changes Strange's uh, motivations if... He goes through this and learns how fucking with the multiverse is a bad thing and then fucks with the multiverse to help Peter Mm. as opposed to I'm going to help this kid who's gotten a raw deal. Oh, God, messing with the multiverse is a bad thing. Let's deal with that elsewhere. 
things have leaked and I've heard some rumors and I kind of know how Scarlet Witch fits in. Plus, like, we've talked about Scarlet Witch a bunch over, a bunch on, uh, over New on New Byland. So you can kind of guess the way her storyline's going to go anyway. Nothing good. But I'm still curious to see how it's all going to play out because of where we last seen her, which you haven't gotten up to yet. In I know, just by, yeah. Yeah. Because she seems very put together for the fact that she has been... Uh, spoiler fucking dark hole teaching herself magic from the dark hold. You don't do that. Literally, there's a mini series coming out that got put off by COVID. That's literally the uh, the dark hold takes over Scarlet Witch and bad things happen. You know, anytime the Scarlet Witch does stuff anymore. Which mm, listen to our episode on that on my annoyance on that plot device. <laughs> It is interesting because they do a really good job in some ways of replicating the weird Ditko magic strange look for magic universes. But at the same time, I want, I think I just almost want the movies to be less like clean and tightly shot. Like I think Raimi might be the perfect director because he is a, he does some of those kind of hokey things of like, quick zoom in on the someone making mm-hmm. thing like you were talking about. You you have some of those slightly campy devices that I think a good strange story kind of needs. Mm-hmm. And Bruce. And Bruce. But that's just, I just want more Bruce Campbell and things. That has nothing to do with Doctor Strange. You know, speaking of Bruce, we watched a different trailer. Very different Bruce. <laughs> uh, the As what's being called the Bat and the Cat trailer dropped. The for next Batman, the Batman trailer, and we actually get to see stuff with Selena, who is which the, looks awesome. Yeah, it's the part of other than I think her mask looks bad, but that's fine. It is she's the part of the movie that I am most excited about. I saw, I saw somebody make a comment online that rings really true, and I can't. I'm still stupid excited to see this movie. Mm-hmm. This comment, even though I can't get it out of my mind, isn't going to ruin the movie for me. But now that I've heard it, I can't unsee it when I watch these trailers. This is just the movie that everyone hoped The Dark Knight Rises was going to be. Cool. Which means we're not really getting anything new. It's still kind of Nolanverse. It's not, but it kind of... It is, and we're going to have a hard time getting away from the Nolanverse with Batman because we've put a lot of time putting Batman more in the real world Mm -hmm. for years. So I've kind of just accepted that's going to happen as much as I want wild, campy 50s Batman of Zenur R movie. Like, but it does a few things that I like significantly better already mm-hmm. than the Nolanverse. The Tumblr was fun and kind of cool, but like I want him to be in a car again. If the more actively militarized Batman is, the more he becomes an analog for militarizing the police for me, which I am rapidly against. Mm-hmm. Rabidly against, not rapidly. I mean, I'm quickly against it, so I guess it's still <laughs> accurate, but rapidly is the word that I intended to say. I don't want Navy SEAL Batman. Mm-hmm. And it looks like I'm not getting Navy SEAL Batman. It looks like I'm getting absolute wild man Batman. And if we're, I mean, sure. Darker than I want it to be, but give me absolute wild man over fascist Batman any day of the week. Also, like, I'm not sure if uh, they're my preferred ship, but I love watching Batman Catwoman. Oh, yeah. No, they're my preferred one, and it's because I read Batman Hush as a child, as like a teenager, but... 
I'm not, I know that we've talked about it in the past. I don't remember who I landed on then. It might've been Catwoman. I'm not really sure who my favorite is. I don't think it is Catwoman right of this moment, but I just love seeing those stories. I think you said Silver St. Cloud last time, That's but I think my you were just answer, being though. a dick. Um, <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, the big four, we've got Catwoman, we've got uh, Silver St. Cloud, which only you and I know who we're talking about <laughs> on that one. Don't worry about it. It's not important. We've got Vicky Vale, who was, God, we wish she had a Lois Lane. So they just tried to make him mm-hmm. a Lois Lane and didn't really work. I don't care for Vicky Vale that much. And then uh, Talia Al Ghul. And I just don't feel Talia Al Ghul. I, I don't like I mean, her. really, of those four, I guess I would go with Catwoman. I do. I mean, I've said it before. I know. I, uh, okay. I do know something I've brought up before. I do really like him paired against Wonder Woman. I do and I don't. That's where Batman... He brings out the worst side of her. Uh-huh, and she brings out the best in him, which I appreciate. But Batman struggles with... The more you put him in the wider world, the the harder it is to find the balance of Batman versus alone in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to have a Justice League without him because he's Batman. You want him there. Yeah. But also, the more time he's spending on the moon fighting rogue <laughs> sons. God, I love the Grant Morrison run. The harder it is to be like, hey, Batman, why don't you use, like, literally any of your buddies from the Justice League to help with Gotham? So I get the Wonder Woman thing, but I feel like it breaks the concept of Batman too hard. Mm-hmm. I guess I just mostly like him by himself. Yeah. Just tragic I, never having... Being able to get that. I'm a bat cat, Stan. I'm not going to lie. But again, I read Batman Hush in the throes of puberty. So, like, it's stuck with me ever since. See, when I was thinking about it earlier, I was like, I think part of the reason I like watching Batman Catwoman stories is because I also like watching or reading Spider-Man Black Cat. See, I don't feel Spider-Man Black Cat. I don't feel it either, like, but I like watching that interplay. It's true. It's fun watching them flirt, but as an actual couple, I'm like, oh, buddies, no. Yeah. You're yeah, really yeah. terrible for each other. Like, no, I, I agree 100% with that. But the fact that they continually seem to have that, like, that attraction is Yeah, like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, but back to the trailer of the thing we're actually talking about. The, the two notes I had on this. One, I don't care for this version of Riddler that I'm seeing. I don't like serial killer Riddler. Right, and I mean, I think they've straight up said that he's kind of influenced by the Zodiac Killer in this one. Oh, I don't like that. One of my favorite Riddler stories is a Neil Gaiman one he wrote where it's just Riddler being sad that, like, supervillains are too serious these days and he can't just, like, set up giant typewriter death traps (laughs) anymore and, like, you know, dress up as a weirdo and a bunch of question marks. He's got to be, like, crazy dangerous now. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where Riddler is for me. He can, he should be dangerous. I'm not saying like he needs to be a complete joke character, but he's not the Joker, and we shouldn't try to make him that. I'm wondering, they're setting up two things, like maybe not setting up two things. They're showing us two different sides. They're showing us a shit ton of the Riddler mm-hmm. and what he's doing, and the fact that Batman is hunting very hard and trying to figure out these riddles. At the, the the last line of that trailer indicates that the Riddlers figured out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Which ties back to Batman Hush. If Oh, fucking read Batman Hush if you've never yeah. read it. Recommendation without being my recommendation. I'm wondering how... 
like it feels to me like the Riddler's a cat's paw. Somebody else is running this. That's what they've been hiding by showing us this much Riddler stuff. Well, and bringing straight up, up, I was thinking that this feels really full already because we know penguins in it too. Yeah, from the last trailer where we saw quite a bit of penguin. I mean, it could be a Tommy Elliot hush situation. It could be, which wouldn't be a bad idea to track behind. Mm-hmm. Also, the Batman Catwoman romance was there. They did to have that, like, you lied to me, Alfred, which was my other thought of this, which is, I've seen people compare it to the Batman Telltale games. Which I still haven't played through, even though I have them. But the big revelation of that one is in that version, it turns out Thomas Wayne was a crime boss. Oh. A huge crime boss. I'm worried they're going to go that route in their chronic need to make this dark as shit. And I don't like that. One of the things that stood out to me is that it opens up with, is she a reporter? I don't know who that lady was talking to I Bruce. bet they're going to say it's Vicki Vale, but who knows what. Uh, but she's pointing out, like, uh, you know, your your family has this long-running history of philanthropy, and you don't seem to be doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> and just because I've read it recently, I'm wondering if, that, if they're going to lift a little bit from uh, White Knight. Where the Joker, part of what he does is like, look, Batman, you have all this money and you're not doing shit to fucking help Gotham. So, like, you're actually kind of the bad guy and I'm going to be the good guy. And it's actually a really well done story. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things you find out at the end of that storyline is just like Batman covers up all of the places that he gets all of his fucking hardware by creating a shit ton of shell companies and routing things through everything. He's also paying for almost all of Gotham's social services doing the same thing. I believe that actually, uh, <laughs> that's actually kind of cool. They reveal it there. It's one thing that comes up with the, one of the other big things I've been reading lately is the, uh, James Tinney and the fourth Batman run. Mm. And God is so good. Like I'm glad he's getting to go do his own creator stuff, but God, his Batman run was so good. <laughs> But it starts with, if at uh, first when I was reading, I was like, this is way over the top with everything. He's got, like, armies of drones coming out. And then it turns out that's part of the storyline of, like, he's calling out the fact that Batman had gotten too big with his toys and was forced to, like, pare him down. And the fact that Wayne has billions of dollars hidden away. Mm-hmm. Billions of dollars hidden away through shell companies and stuff. So, I don't know. Hopefully this turns into calling out Batman on like not doing enough with his money as opposed to turns out Thomas Wayne was, you know, shithead. Yeah. <laughs> he was secretly Bugsy Siegel or Al Capone. Like I don't I don't find that interesting. I'm mm-hmm. so much more interested in Thomas Wayne was a man who was trying to help the city that he loves and was killed for it. Cuz I'm a sucker for a reformist. Either way, I'm still stupid excited, and the action still looks killer and brutal. It looks grungy, but Batman is one of the characters that you can go pretty grungy with and mm-hmm. have it work, so, yeah. Speaking of grungy characters. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the most over-the-top character possibly in comic book history. Grimjack. So, John Gaunt, a.k.a. Grinner, a.k.a. Grimjack. How do we want to start AKA this? James Twilly? Oh, man, we're not even going to get into the... <laughs> we might, but into the wildness of that. Um, okay, 
Here's here. Let's start it with a little bit of the environment that Grimjack was created in and its creators. Grimjack was a comic from First Comics in the 80s. I think it was canceled in like 87. Uh, I think you're right on that. It's it, somewhere around that. It, it started in the early 80s. When yeah. The, His first appearance is in Star Slayer number 10, which is 1983. Okay. First Comics was an interesting company because... It was a company that hired a bunch of people, kind of the first generation of people in some cases, who grew up reading comic books from the Silver Age. Because mm. we had like, you know, Stan Lee read comics a little bit as a kid, but it was never a huge thing for him. It was kind of his uncle's publishing company is how he got into it. Or like the Silver Age was launched by a bunch of people who had done a bunch of Golden Age comic books, like old school 30s and 40s, and then they came back in the 60s. These are people who grew up reading Lee and Ditko on Spider-Man or Lee and Kirby on Fantastic Four or someone other than Stan Lee making comics <laughs> and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of the, in, in one way, the first generation of people who are really steeped in comic book, like in, in what comic books could be and pushing the boundaries in ways that the big two couldn't. Right. And what we got was some of the wildest shit that ever came out. And it was sort of the start of um, the the creator-owned comics concept, the independently published. This is the same era that, like, the Ninja Turtles came out of. Usagi yes. Ojimbo came out of this. I mean, this, you said it came out, what is the book? Uh, Star Slayer? Yep. Star Slayer is about a Gaul from the Roman Empire brought forward in time, given a ship based off a, a spaceship based off a Spanish galleon and assigned to become a pirate with a robot monkey buddy and a telepathic co captain. Wait, we're going to do a Star Slayer episode. We are right? 100% <laughs> going to do a Star Slayer episode. It is the wildest shit I've ever read. But I mean, that's kind of the environment that Grimjack came in. This was a real throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Also, I mean, the 80s was such a good period for science fiction. Mm -hmm. The Star Wars movies have are just wrapping up when this came out. The, I mean, within the next few years, we're going to get the Terminator movies. I think the first Alien movie has come out. Because the, the first Alien was first 70s. first one should have, yeah. Um, Maybe even the first two. Dune is going to come out within the next year or two. Which, yeah, but, I mean, listen to our episode on that if you want that. But there's... Terminator, I don't think, is out yet. But, I mean, there is just what is coming out is just wild. Right. And while 83, this would be, like, super early on as far as, like, 80s action goes, too, mm -hmm. to pull from those tropes. So it's not as refined yet, which kind of explains a little bit of, well, first off, his look. Oh, his look is wild. What I love about his look is that every part of it at first, you're like, that is the most random assortment of things. But every part of it ties to his absolutely insane back history, which we will get to in a moment. Uh, for reference, he wears a purple beret, a red scarf, big earrings, a purple cloak, a purple shirt, several like medals and stuff on it, big red gloves and like. Jodhpurs. Jodhpurs, those old school like military pants that stuck out for some reason. Yeah, I never know. And he carries a sword and, like, pistols and all sorts of... He's both, like, a classic pulp adventurer and a noir detective and a space fighter. So. Well, and his 
his look reminds me a lot more of what we I was pointing out like the 80s action boom for a big reason like post 80s action boom most mercenary type heroes are coded to look a lot more tactical mm-hmm. and a lot more like Rambo or like Commando and while he is like Classic D&D adventurer look like he's or even a little bit more like um, uh, in like later pulp stories, how you would have Mercs described after like after they left the French Foreign Legion. Yeah, they've got little bits of their history all over. Them. Mm-hmm. He's oof, I love it. I actually prefer that look to let's put another guy in camo pants and a uh, wife beater. Like it looks goofy as fuck sometimes, but I still dig it. It gives the character more personality. Yeah, is I think what it is. Uh, so Grimjack was created by John Ostrander and Timothy Truman. Ostrander is one of the most unsung heroes in comic books. He's got several claims to fame. The two biggest being he created uh, the Oracle version of Barbara Gordon. He's the reason why she's when she was you know crippled and put in a wheelchair, she didn't just fade from existence. Mm -hmm. And he created the modern version of the Suicide Squad, which is the, you know, the thing that's had multiple movies now (laughs) at this point. Like, Suicide Squad was originally a really forgettable World War II book. And then he went, you know what would be fun? Supervillains. And yes. And yes, he's right. (laughs) His Suicide Squad run is in... The top 50 all-time runs of comic books. And considering how many comics I run, that's actually really high praise. It's super good. It's goofy, but it's supposed to be. Uh, He also wrote one of the best Star Wars runs of all time with Star Wars Legacy. He did all sorts of stuff. Truman is no less talented, but he's been a little bit less known. Uh, He wrote Hawkworld, which was a huge Hawkman book. He did a bunch of Conan work for Dark Horse. And interestingly, he wrote most of Turok Dinosaur Hunter for Valiant Comics. Oh, no shit. I did not know that until this week. That's crazy. Um, Well, uh, just because we were wondering earlier, Grimjack finished in 91. Oh, okay. So, Grimjack himself. Kind of before we talk about Grimjack, let's talk about the city that he exists in. Because it actually appeared first. And almost more important. In many ways. Grimjack is built for this era in time where the multiverse is popular in major fiction. Because he lives in Sinoshur, a city in the heart of the multi- literally in the center of the multiverse. Yeah, there's there's kind of a more or less stable hub the closer you get to the center, except for the center, which is mm-hmm. super chaos. And then past that... There's a rough shape to the shape to the city, but you literally can't even map it because it parts of it are like drifting in and out of existence as different dimensions kind of crash in like waves. Did you did you read about the issue where they published a map? No, I haven't yet. So they they published a map of Sinisher mm-hmm. with lots of dotted lines with the intent to <laughs> for you to cut it up. Uh-huh. Into its, you know, the different and then you throw it into the air. Yeah, you throw it into the air, and at any given time, the the way that they're arranged in the air lines That's up to the way Sinister <laughs> was at some point in time. There's, you know, you might cross the street and suddenly technology doesn't work anymore, but magic does. So you have to have little bits of 
everything to kind of survive. Well, and that's the the pistol and sword. Uh-huh. Is because the gun some dimensions the pistols don't work. <laughs> also, swords are cool. Yeah. Um Sinosher actually predates Grimjack. He it first appeared in a different comic that I do not remember the name of. And it was only supposed to be a one-off appearance. They were going to destroy it in that issue. And John Ostrander, who was sitting on that meeting, was like, you can't do that. This city is too cool. You have to keep it. It's like void or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's really not that important. It was a decently successful first comics title. But honestly, outside of Grimjack... And Star Slayer, which didn't even run as long, first comics didn't have a huge number of hits. It had some cool stuff. Like Grimjack. Yeah, like Grimjack. <laughs> but I mean, Grimjack was far and away like 80 epi- or eighty issues and like a side series and stuff. While everyone else is like, we had a 24 issue run. Good job. You did some great stuff there, but quarter the length. Grimjack himself, I kind of wonder, I don't actually think Cowboy Bebop is inspired by Grimjack. But since they both tap into that kind of sci-fi noir concept, I, f- like, have some connected feelings to it. Right. Because Grimjack is sort of every member of the Bebop, with the exception of Ed and Ayn, mixed into a single character. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. I am going to, as quickly as I can, I'm going to try to do this in like 30 seconds, the try to tell the backstory of Grimjack before his series starts. Okay. Grimjack is born to an abusive father who slashes him at one point, giving him his distinctive scar across his face. After his father dies, him and his brothers become thieves. His brothers frame him for murder, and he is sent to, as punishment, a gladiator pit, where he becomes the second most dangerous fighter in the pit, known as the Grinner, because he grins uncomfortably every time he fights. He just can't stop himself. Escaping the gladiator pits after befriending a man named Blackjack Mac, who will be important in later stories as like his, oh crap, I'm outgunned, I need to call someone. Hey, Blackjack. Mm -hmm. He escapes and ends up in the realm of, it's called, I think it's supposed to be like powder. It's P-W-D-Y-R. Yeah. Pedwer. Whatever. Where he falls in love with a woman who's, father teaches him in the ways of magic. He is extremely capable in the world of magic, but he never finishes training partly because he doesn't have the right temperament for it. And partly because he gets recruited into what is known as the demon wars, where a hell dimension literally merged with, uh, uh, over his course of time with the demon in the demon wars, where he, He's a demon knight. Yeah, he gets a bunch of reputation for it. His commander, a man named Commander Lash, Colonel Lash something Lash, betrays Powder, which is destroyed to a man, with the exception of the little brother of the woman he's in love with who becomes a vampire, which is not important for this part, which he finds out when he finishes winning the demon wars, returns to Powder, finds out everyone is dead. In anger and tragedy, he goes and joins a group of basically cowboy bounty hunters where he spends a while working with them. He then joins the equivalent of the Sinoshur police force, which he joined the transdimensional, police. the transdimensional police. Thank you. Which he works with along with his partner, um, Roscoe, Roscoe Schumacher or something yes. like that, but quits after Roscoe is injured in, uh, which 
thanks to actions John makes, overthrowing a attempted rebellion of Sinoshur by a man known as the Dancer, who was the most dangerous man in the gladiator pits when Grimjack was the second most dangerous. After quitting the police force, he joins a group known as the Cadre, which is basically CIA black ops stuff. Mm -hmm. After that, uh, he ends up inheriting or buying on accident a bar named Bundan's Bar, which is in the worst part of Sinoshur, known as the Pits, where he becomes a uh, basically private eye. All of that is before the first issue of Grimjack comes out. Right. That's just the bat. His background is like Wolverine levels of like wild. So amazing. <laughs> because the concept is he's sort of like any story you want to tell, you can tell with him. Because he's done it all. He's been there for all of it. And he he's has just enough about skills to get by. Yes. In everything. He is really the jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. The grim jack of all trades. Oh, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> I'm still mad about it. There's literally an ep an issue, because uh, for reference to prep for this, we were supposed to read, and you read, both Grimjack Killer Instinct and Grimjack the Manx Cats, two miniseries that these guys did, I think, about 15 years ago now. Uh, yes. Much later which take place before the main Grimjack series. I read Killer Instinct, and then I got distracted reading the original Grimjack series. But I've read the Manx Cat several times, so it's my favorite of the Grimjack stories. So it, uh, I am caught up. But, like, there's a story where he's hired by basically the Care Bears oh, to, um, like, Magnificent Seven for them. Killer Instinct is about 17 years old. And Manx Cat is about 11 years old. Okay. Uh, Killer Instinct is the true origin of Grimjack, which we've never seen before. It is basically him leaving the cadre and getting Munton's bar. And the Manx Cat, which I'm glad I got caught up reading this new stuff, is basically an expanded version of the first two pages of the first issue of Grimjack. Right. Right. Just turned into a whole fucking sweet story. Munden's Bar also is going to... Just quick fact I learned. Munden's Bar, which is the bar he inherited that's in the center of the multiverse... Got its own spinoff for a It bit, got its right? own spinoff for a long time. And among other notable things, it is the first time that the Ninja Turtles were ever shown in a color comic was when they appeared in an episode of Munden's Bar. Oh, shit. Because that's they cool. did a bunch of crossovers. Like, Isagi Ojimbo shows up. Mm -hmm. I think Judge Dredd shows up. I, I don't quote me on that one. But, like, a bunch of characters. He doesn't, but Iron Man's armors do. Those are shown several times. It is super cool. <laughs> as well as Grimjack, there's the background characters of there is... What is the name of the kid that becomes the bartender for Munden's Bar? He's... Um, uh, Gordon. Gordon who mostly exists to send people Grimjack's Grim way and to occasionally be like, hey, Grimjack. Quit being a dick. Quit being a dick. Or, hey, Grimjack, maybe don't die. And Bob the Watch Lizard, who is a somewhat human. He's not really humanoid, but he is like cartoony lizard. Yeah. That always smokes and is always trying to get gin. I'm, I'm not sure how to, because he does stand on his own two legs sometimes, and you see him, like, drinking and smoking cigarettes, but he's not. And, like, he can talk and has intelligence, but kind of prefers to be a pet. Yeah. 
Bob's just kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> like he's real ugly, but mm-hmm. he exists as the kind of sad animal companion. But I mean, people trust Bob. There's a way later on in the series. I haven't read this part, but apparently Grimjack dies and comes back to life. Thanks to complicated things. We're not going to go into. And at first everyone's like, that's not really Grimjack, but Bob recognizes him. And was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> if Bob says so, uh, fetus fetus, who is a vet of the demon wars who you don't got no legs. <laughs> um, he's pretty Lieutenant Danish in that, in that way. Lieutenant Danish. Forrest Gump. Oh, right. I haven't watched that movie. <laughs> yeah. years. Uh, Batman had a character of the same concept in the nineties. In some ways, he kind of reminds me of the various homeless people in the Discworld books. The, mm. the almost any story that has a noir element is going to have a homeless man. That is kind of your go-to informer. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. informant person, even if they're not homeless, but in this case definitely is. Uh, Spawn had some similar stuff too. Thetis mostly exists to be kind of gross and to be the the person who always knows what's happening on the streets. I will say, Thetis is homeless. He seems capable enough that he doesn't necessarily have to be. No, he I, seems like he stays that way because that's how he can get his live. information. Yeah. He gets his information that way. He makes a living that way. He can get booze super easy and cheap that way. Like. Mm-hmm. Fetus is one of those interesting homeless characters that I, it's hard to say how accurate, like if there's anyone actually like them in real life, but they make for a pretty solid. It's a fun character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blackjack Mac, who we have mentioned before, who is another former, I think he was a pit fighter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's real close with Grimjack because they, you know, were some of the only ones to survive and get out. And he has formed a small mercenary army. And he has a girlfriend known as Goddess, who in Killer Instinct, where we first meet her, and first wants to get into a threesome with him and Grimjack, but in the later stories, hates Grimjack Mm. because he keeps almost getting Blackjack killed. Yeah, no, that's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Blackjack is sort of, did you ever watch Burn Notice? Uh, I, I did watch a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of Bruce Campbell's character in that, that like, because you got old ties, you can get him to do literally anything mm-hmm. for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, he also kind of reminds me of like Chaz from uh, the Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. He kind of fits some Dresden Files archetypes, although there's no like direct link character. Right. Somewhere between Michael and the. And Karen. Oh, I was going to say, what's his name? The the assassin that he hires every once in a while. Oh, um... um it, it, it's yeah, not yeah. super important, but like... Kincaid? He, yeah, that's the one. I was going to say Kincaid or Goodman Gray. Not Goodman Gray. That's terrifying. <laughs> but uh, because Blackjack is his friend and will just get into stuff for because Grimjack says so. But he also will then charge Grimjack afterwards. Like... Yeah, dude, you need it? Let's do this. No questions asked. But you are going to pay me when this is over. Oh, and he'll give Grimjack shit the entire time it's uh-huh. gone down, too. <laughs> like Blackjack Mac. The one I was talking about of he's hired by basically the Care Bears or mm-hmm. like some super cutesy thing to do a Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai, train this village to fight these things. 
the, he ends up calling in Blackjack because these like killer rabbits are attacking and Blackjack spending the whole time being like, why are we killing bunnies? I do not like this, John. <laughs> uh, and then awesome. the last big one is Roscoe Schumacher. Yeah. Former. Former. Uh, partner. Partner lost his eye thanks to actions Grimjack made. And at this point, he's not really Grimjack's friend. No. But they will. He is very willing to sell information to Grimjack. And he'll warn Grimjack if something is going down hard. He's not really his friend, but he doesn't necessarily want to see him go down. Yeah. They're not enemies. There is tenuous allies. You know, Mm -hmm. pay me a hundred bucks and I'm your ally for a little while sort of thing. Because Grimjack lost him his eye, lost him his pension, screwed him over, and then disappeared to do Black Ops for like 15 years. He doesn't like him very much, but... And Grimjack understands. Mm -hmm. Like when he's confronted with it, he's like, oh, I guess I never did go visit him in the hospital, did I? Damn, I really screwed you over. Yeah. So... It's, you get it. It's fun. <laughs> it's not fun. No. <laughs> so. So we looked specifically at, like you said, two storylines. Killer to Instinct talk about. and the Manx Cat. Um, I guess Killer Instinct first, because. Because it's first? It's first, yeah. It's really setting him up in the world that he's in. So one of the few things I remembered from when we recorded this before was that I walked away liking Manx Cat quite a bit more than Killer Instinct. I think it's significantly better, but I also think it has certain advantages because it has less it has to do in a small space. Yeah, and upon reread, I think, like, I still like Manx Cat more, but they tied up, like, Killer Instinct... Upon reread, I think I liked it quite a bit more than I did the first time around. I actually like, had a similar thing. I reread it this time. a lot time. closer together to for me. It was better than I thought it was the first time. I Because re- I've read it three or four times now. Mm-hmm. And I kept being like, oh, this is good, but it's a little all over the map. But it's actually pretty tightly plotted storytelling for what it has to cover. A few things happen remarkably fast in it, but it's also just kind of a thing of the genre of like how fast someone falls in love with someone that it's not necessarily a knock on killer instinct. That's just a personal bug for me. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the humor was way more like clicked in place in, in killer instinct than in Manx cat. Cause there is kind of an underlying humor to everything just because of how ridiculous it is. My favorite part of Manx cat is actually a really weird part of it that we will get to Mm -hmm. when we get talking about it. And maybe it's partially just because I liked all the stupid referential shit. Like, uh, what was it? Uh, Senator Simpson telling the other senator to eat my shorts. Or the fact that they go to Romeroville at one point and there's a bunch of zombies. Oh, the Romeroville was super awesome. I had to write this down. The Romeroville retirement community for the undead. Uh, They all went there because hell wouldn't take them. Which in uh, Romero's Dawn of the Dead is uh, a the quote. Yeah, the quote is like, "When hell has no more room, the dead will walk the earth." <laughs> this series is always been very willing to reference up things. I don't want to say this is the first series to really like tie in, like, "Oh, it's in the center of the multiverse," and because of that, little bits 
of everything can kind of come through. Even if we don't own the IP, we can just kind of wink and nod at it. Mm -hmm. But it's the oldest one I know of that does it in this fashion. Also, on like, on the zombie side of things, fucking, not only was there a Romeroville, but they kept having the Savini zombie mercs go after him. Savini's a zombie uh, director, if I remember? Uh, Tom Savini is most famous as a visual effects guy. Okay. Uh, special effects. He has directed some. He's acted quite a bit as well. Um, but he did, like, the Return of the Living Dead movies and stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. So lots of references. I also like it really does a good job of... If I had never read Grimjack before, and I had read The Manx Cat before this, but if I had never read Grimjack before, I would have been set up for everything. And you see tiny bits of world building. Like, there's a weird religious cult that exists in the sewers. Who are reading from Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, it turns out that, like, in that he's a little bit of everywhere and done a little bit of everything. He's an honorary member. And, of like, the night sewer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, I want to know more about them. Yeah. I want to know more about everything in this world. Honest to God. And it's at least a little bit inspired. I've always liked cities at the center of the multiverse. But if I ever get a chance to make comics like I want to. A city at the center of the multiverse is going to come up a lot. <laughs> it's existed in my head for a world, and it's kind of half Sinosure, half Ankh-Morpork. Well, I mean, Sinosure is, seems to me, as I was reading this, I'm like, this is just the most fun setting ever for, like, a tabletop campaign. Oh, my God. You can see why when John Ostrander heard, they're like, all right, then we'll destroy this. He's like, you can't! <laughs> Stop it. What's wrong with you? It is why there was no Grimjack from when it ended in 90. One, you said, the early 90s yeah. to about 2005? Because Sinoshore technically was not part of what he created with Grimjack. So he owned Grimjack, but he did not own Sinoshore. Mm. So it took them like 15 years to unwrap all of that. It's the same reason we've never gotten a Grimjack movie or series up till now. Which we deserve. Yeah, absolutely. My concern is that it, it, I, I'm sure it's going to come out. I think it's going to come out right after the like crest of the wave, oh that too, but <laughs> like the wave is going to crest when it comes to like the popularity of the multiverse concept and recede, and that's when it's going to come out, and we're not going to get it as long as we deserve because mm. it's going to be right after it was super popular. I think the thing the first time through that bugged me so much was how obvious it was that uh, Joe was going to turn on him. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, okay, here's where we're, let's do a quick killer instinct. What it, We're not going to go too deep into detail, probably, but if you are really worried about spoilers, just stop now. Sorry. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's fucking worth your time. Please watch it, read it, whatever. The story is, at the first few pages is Grimjack getting pulled into the cadre. And then the rest of it is kind of his falling out with the cadre. Mm -hmm. Part of that is he's assigned to work with a group of younger agents, including a young woman named Joe Cheney. Which, uh, a little bit more obtuse reference, but there was both Lon Cheney Sr. and Jr. in the old and golden age of Hollywood, both known for playing movie monsters. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. See, this is why I like doing the podcast with you. Our obscure knowledge banks are 
Just um, different enough. Senior would have been, uh, Senior was the hunchback in like the 1920s hunchback Notre Dame, and he was the original Phantom of the Opera in like the 29 Phantom of the Opera. Oh, hell yeah. Good job. That and guy. then Junior was Larry Talbot, also known as the Wolfman in like the 41 Wolfman. Oh, hell yeah. That guy too. Yeah. The Everyone in that little crew that Grimjack didn't want to work with gets killed off except for Cheney. Joe. Uh, she's got a agent uh, fangs agent, which God damn, is that a fucking tie in that I did not catch until my second or third read through Uh, junior did play Dracula once or uh, son of Dracula. Still cool. Mm -hmm. So the son of the hunchback of Notre Dame got to be the son of Bella Lugosi. Interesting. I love that. (laughs) At this point it becomes like someone betrayed them because they got sent on this mission together. That was Clearly a setup. Mm -hmm. He's got to figure out who it is and he's got to figure out if he can trust this young woman who wants to like be trained by him and kind of be him and fuck him a lot. It's such a classic noir. Yeah. Everything. Which like, that's kind of the downside. It, if you've read any of those stories, you know exactly where almost every bit of the story oh, is going to go. Very little of it as a surprise other than the fact you're like, Oh, vampires are real. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. That's not necessarily where I thought they were going to go with this, but like the character who's the, but uh, so here's the thing. Killer instinct is kind of like what we just got last week on TV with the first episode of book of Boba Fett, mm-hmm. where it's nothing revelatory, but we finally get to see these things. And it's a bunch of setup for important things happening. We get to see how he got Munden's bar, mm-hmm. which has never been revealed before. We know that he bought it and there was kind of weird hinky circumstances. I actually really like how he ended up with it for a dollar on accident. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see where Gordon came from. We kind of get to see where Bob comes from. Although that's more of a Manx cat thing. Mm-hmm. We get to kind of see the little bits of his world tied together. The point, the point where he finally puts on his full costume is one of the best points of the series, mm-hmm. at least of the killer instinct series. Also, yo, killer instinct has the ninja mimes, <laughs> which is one of my favorite fucking things in the world. The ninja. Mi- First off, if you would explain these characters to me out loud and I had never read this story, I would ask you what issue of Doom Patrol they're from. But it doesn't read anything like Doom Patrol. No. But they sound like a fucking Grant Morrison invention. Because mm-hmm. they're these, well, assassin mimes that have had their vocal cords removed and turned into sutures that are keeping their eyes open and their mouths closed, which is dark and metal as fuck. Mm-hmm. But only their hands, head, and feet are corporeal. <laughs> the rest is... And their torso is like a pocket dimension. Also, when they mime things, it actually happens. There's a... Like Mr. Mime. <laughs> Oh, God, I hate Mr. M- oh, I caught Galarian, Mr. Mime, and Mr. Rhyme and Pogo, uh. and I still hate him very much. Um, well, and then you've got that, and then on the other hand, in a metal as fuck, but in a completely different direction, there's mentions of, like, terror sorers, which are, like, mercenary velociraptors with guns in some of his stuff. Oh, well, he fights the killosaurs at the, the end. The killosaurs, that's what it is, yeah. 
and they're all coded to be the Ninja Turtles, yeah. which is amazing. And then he meets the Ninja Turtles. I'm sorry. I'm good. We're good. The, the idea that anything can happen in this world, but also is all fucked up, is so good. Because you can. You can put him with the Care Bears, or you can put him with Killasaurs, or Ninja Mimes, or Vampires. Mm-hmm. And here's where we really have to talk about how good Tim Truman's art is. It does not need to be as detailed as it is. And it's grimy. It's grungy. It feels lived in. He's my favorite Conan artist of all time. I've got to say this. Because he's got, I mean, it's not nearly as wild as Grimjack is, but it's got that same, like, this is a character that's been through some shit. Right. The, The world that he creates is so interesting because he's... He brings in some of that superhero aesthetic. You know, someone might be wearing the, like, leotard and a mask. Yes. As just part of their costume. But they've got, like, big gloves and, like, a heavy belt. Stuff that in the 90s became much more of a bigger thing. Kind of directly influenced by books like this. And then the next you have a full-on classic sci-fi setup. You've got little bits of everything. It really does feel like a city in the center of the multiverse. Also, going through it this time, I realized that there was something I skipped. Hmm? Uh, I think it's at the end of issue three, the just, like, prose section. The just, like, little story about the guy wanting to be a vampire hunter. Did you read that? I don't remember this at all. I don't think that's in my... Oh, yeah. So, in the, the, the digital version I have, there's... I think it's at the end of issue three. There's just, like, this little short story about this guy wanting to become a vampire hunter and he gets his friend to turn him into a vampire so that he can be a better vampire hunter. And then his friend is like, calls him up as like the guy's coming to as a vampire in a hotel room and being like, yeah. So about that, uh, I kind of started to feel shitty about turning on my own kind because I know that even though our deal was you leave me alone, like, Mm -hmm. Like, you're not human anymore, bro. (laughs) And neither am I. And, like, that's kind of fucked up. And I'm not going to let you do that. So, uh, sorry, but I kind of let some of the vampire hunters know where you are. And they should be showing up right about now. Jesus (laughs) Christ. But it's it's written so fucking hilariously. Like, it's really good. And there's some... Such a good writer. And there's some good little jokes in there, too. Like, he's... The hotel's next to a beach that's the Playa del Sol, which is... Uh, beach of the Sun. Oh no! This son is one hundred percent not in my copy. Yeah, um, Son of a Beach. Oh God, I was gonna, <laughs> just going to pass that. But here we are dwelling in it, thanks to you. Um. And then something that didn't hit as much the first time through because, like, when we recorded before and read it before, because I hadn't read the Manx Cat yet. The Knife of Silver St. John. Yeah, the Knife of Silver. Uh, reading the original Grimjack. All of this appears like immediately. The knife of St. John, the Manx cat, the these various things that like it's like, oh shit. I knew that like there was this wider world of Grimjack, but they were literally tying in all of this early stuff immediate. Also, it's the, always weird reading the name St. John. Um, I don't know. This is this isn't used as often anymore. Um, I don't know how many people even know this, but Traditionally, sometimes St. John, even though it's written out like that, is actually pronounced Sinjin. Sinjin? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Why? 
I don't know. Okay. But I remember <laughs> I remember having to learn this once because there was a a movie that was filmed but never released, uh, a horror movie called uh, Sinjin Smith that I was really excited for, but then that it was never released. That's a pretty good name. Mm-hmm. And that's where I first ran across it. And it's kind of like in Hellboy, if you've only ever read it, you probably wouldn't realize that the professor's last name is pronounced Broom, even though it's B-R-U-T-T-E-N-H-O-L-M. Damn. I've not read much Hellboy. I've mostly just seen the Yarmo del Toro movie about 15 mm-hmm. times, at least. Um, so, yeah, I did. Yeah, Professor Broom, Broom. is Bruttenholm. <laughs> Jesus. But it's just traditionally pronounced broom, which is actually also a tie back to like a 30s mystery where okay, so you had to know that. Okay, so fun of the French for dropping the last like two or three letters of every word they have, but damn Germany. And I don't know the reason why for that either, but I do know that that actually That's ties just... into like an old murder mystery story where you could only figure it out if you knew that. That it was pronounced broom. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So do we want to move into Manx? Cat. Here. I mean, I don't like Killer Instinct. I liked it a lot more this time around, but it's a very simple noir story. I don't really have anything else to say other than it's stupid amounts of fun. It's extremely tightly plotted. Like, there's not a page wasted for as much happens in this book. I like, of the two stories, I like him running around Sinister more in this than in Manx Cat. My favorite part of Manx Cat is actually a part that doesn't make much sense in retrospect, but I want to get to that. It's the reincarnation stuff. Mm-hmm. I like, since, did you read Killer Instinct first? Because yeah. I know I recommended, I read Manx Cat first, and I was hooked within five pages. Mm. Because of this intro of, it's not really giving anything away. Like, you know, a lot of Marvel comics or whatever, when they launch a miniseries in the first few pages, they'll tell you the character's origin story. Right. They didn't really feel the need to do that. Grimjack's on a mission. He's trying to steal this thing back, this Manx cat, which is a direct reference to um, the, the... The Maltese Falcon. Thank you, the Maltese Falcon. And it starts as, this is the Maltese Falcon, but Grimjack. And then it goes off the rails. Well, that's part of the brilliance of the Manx cat, is because in a lot of the stories like the Maltese Falcon, the object doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The object matters so much. But yeah, this is one where it's introduced like, cool, it's just another fucking object. Here's a tchotchke. Yeah, Yeah, here's a fucking tchotchke. Let's go deal with this. And then it turns out that it's actually really, really important. Uh, I really liked, I don't know if she ever appears later on, but the the cat burglar lady Mm. in this one, I I love her design. I love Oh God, what was her fuck? Darlin' Lil? Yes, Darlin' Lil. She has a lot of things that I've always liked, that kind of like the Batman cowl, but without the ears. Mm. So that's just like super rounded. Uh, Red Robin has it a couple times. Dr. Midnight's had a version like it. I'm picking really obscure characters to explain, but like, <laughs> I, I like this look. I like the really simple cowl look as a design. She's definitely got Catwoman vibe. I mean, she gets turned into a cat lady at one point here. So like the Catwoman references are real strong, but that's okay. Catwoman is... Kind of one of the all-time great noir characters. She is the femme fatale to end all femme fatales in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There is still some fun referential stuff in this one. Not as much as Killer Instinct, but I'm I'm curious if you caught... I almost guarantee you I did not, but please... <laughs> um, the one that stood out to me is the 
the original name for the Sleepless Brotherhood was the, oh God, uh, the Brothers of Kadath. I got nothing. I have no idea. The uh, Lovecraft. I assumed Lovecraft, to be honest with you, but... Uh, his second longest novella that was unpublished during his lifetime, and I think technically unfinished, um, and definitely his longest story involving a recurring protagonist of his, Randolph Carter, uh, is The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. Fair enough. Nice little drop in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, spelled slightly different, but not enough to... There's no way Ostrander and Truman didn't read just so much Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard as they were growing up. Like, it just seeps through these books. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I gotcha. Like, they sent him into this dream. They're keeping things asleep. You're grabbing Dream Quest. In which, like, by the way, like, if I remember, it's been a long time since I've read Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. And as I remember it, it's extremely disjointed because it does take place in a dream. Mm-hmm. Randolph Carter gets out of it in the end by remembering that he's in a dream and just wakes up. My wife can do that. She's just like, oh, trip, I'm dreaming right now. I don't mm-hmm. like this. Wake up right now. And she wakes. I I don't even fathom how that happens. But it's great because he's just like, he goes through all this peril. And he's and like, he's hey, like, it's a dream. He finally gets to a point where he's like, oh, God, I'm screwed. Oh, wait, that's right. God, that's a dodge. <laughs> oh, I kind of hate that. But also, good job. So he steals the Manx cat. It turns out the Manx or steals it back. I don't know. It's who actually should be owning the Manx cat is really not important to the story. Well, it is kind of. At least in the initial, it's not yeah, important yeah. to the story. Um, turns out the Manx cat possesses people. Like it's not just the Maltese Falcon. It is kind of a a, a sleep god. Like if Bastet was the god of dreams. Yeah, well, and also kind of Lovecraftian in the sense that just, like, chaos emanates out from Mm -hmm. the fact that she even exists in that dimension. Uh, She takes control of you through your dreams. You will start to fall asleep if you're near it, and bad shit happens when she takes control of you. Thanks, Kat. And it basically becomes, it goes from, like, I have to steal this tchotchke, and then, like, who should have it being the big thing, to... whoops, (laughs) whoops, <laughs> I unleashed some stuff and a lot of people. I left this with the wrong cat. God, I hate you. But uh, <laughs> we meet Goth, who appears, as I said, on the second page of the very first appearance of Grimjack, who is just gross. Mm-hmm. We do meet the Pink Pussycat Strip Club, if I remember the name of it. Ooh, that's close. I don't I don't think that's quite the name. Might but be it's the Pink Pussy close. or something yeah. like that. And it is a... Basically, furry strip club. Yeah. Which is mostly, it, it is not important to the story beyond just the fact of you can find anything in Sinoshur. And there's enough anthropomorphized animals because of the nature of the multiverse that, the, like, a, there's a there's demand a for, for this. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we do learn a little more about the Aristos, which are the, like, uber wealthy mm-hmm. of the world. Fuck. I thought it was so cool that, like, in the Aristo Tower, having the pocket dimension grafted on to the outside uh, or into their opening. So, like, you go up the elevator and you just walk into, like, this countryside. It kind of reminded me of that episode of Doctor Who where they end up in, like, kind of a bubble dimension on the side mm. of reality. The, mm-hmm. the Doctor's Wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Okay, as I admitted, I did not reread Manx Cat for this one, but I've read a bunch. Is her robot the robot from the Jetsons? Rosie? Oh, shit. I want to say there's at least a, a connect, like some kind of... There might be a connection there. I guess I wasn't looking for it because I haven't thought about Rosie the robot in a long time. I but... don't know how she came up to me recently, but... Maybe. Oh, because I read when DC had the Jetsons... Like when DC had all those Hanna-Barbera comics and they did wild things with them, they introduced the idea that Rosie was the grandmother of the Jetsons who transferred her brain into a robot when she died, which is horrifying. Oh. And she became Rosie the... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that that era, the Flintstones became like a super deep thing to talk about. Like, Also... A lot of creators who were making stuff at first comics went and worked on those books. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, it's horrifying. Oh, anyway. <laughs> so it, I think, and this is my favorite part of the book for multiple reasons. Um, Silver St. John. Silver St. John. It turns out that Grimjack gets sent, his spirit gets sent back in time to a previous life of his, where he is a undercover rebel like warrior knight I was about to say like an he's kind of Robin Hood kind of a church knight at the same time yeah he well it seems like he's he's supposed to be more like a spy master monk that is secretly undercover a warrior resistance leader with a super cool costume I really love his costume Oh my god, all the saints look so fucking cool. That's yes, it's so good. Holy also, shit, the saints look cool and also extremely like Epi Grendel. The fact that he looks like Grendel definitely ties into my deep love. I mean, we've talked about Grendel many times. The only reason we haven't done an episode is you and I love it too much and we're scared. Yeah. We are scared to do a Grendel episode. Um but he looks so much like Epi Grendel. Also, specifically. he's openly gay, which I fucking love because Grimjack sort of falls into the classic 80s tough guy hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not quite Arnold, but like kind of ties into what Arnold kind of like slid into as a character type. And having him be like, I super want to bang my partner. <laughs> I'm super into him. And just having it be a thing. Today... Actually, that would still gain a whole lot of buzz and piss off all the wrong people that I like making fun of on Twitter that I need to stop doing, as we talked about. In 2011, that was, that was a huge move. Mm-hmm. Here's our 80s tough guy hero. Oh, by the way, he was gay in a past life. And not only does it not matter, Grimjack himself don't give a fuck. I was about to say, I, I like the way it's presented because at times... Like the the Silver St. John and Grimjack personalities kind of like mesh in and out of each other. There's mm-hmm. times when like John is very separate from St. John inside their head. And there's other times where they're kind of the same guy. They're, they're, and so there's times where he does really want to bang his partner. And then there's times where he recognizes he's like, no, that's just John. Dude, you need to get on that. It's not really for me, but like I'm feeling these feelings of yours and you just need to do this. Yeah, it's not so much they're the same person, but they are feeling the same feelings. Mm -hmm. Now, I was going to say the reason this doesn't make sense only matters if you read way too far, not too far because the whole thing is good, into the original Grimjack series. 
because there's a point where Grimjack straight two points actually, but this is the second time that Grimjack straight fucking dies. Yeah. Actually, the first time he dies, he goes to heaven, comes back. But because he left heaven, he can no longer go back to heaven. He can never return. Mm -hmm. But because his soul was already deemed worthy, he can't be sent to hell. So he is cursed to be reborn again and again and again and again. That's where reincarnation comes from in the original story because of that decision he made. But this this is implies... The, that the reincarnation already existed. Mm-hmm. So I do not know how those tie together. And I do not think it matters other than the fact that we do a podcast that's literally about making storylines that don't line up matter in a single cohesive history. <laughs> so my brain just works like this now. God, a Grimjack episode would be fun. My I think there's a way that you could make it make sense, but... It hasn't been written out to make it make sense. It's kind of like the implication in Grendel that it turns out Hunter Rose wasn't the original Grendel. Right. Even though we thought he was for 30 years, but eh. Also turns out he's a mutant. Different series. (laughs) So good. It's still sweet, though. And then you get the army of John. Which is just... I love that it's like... It's kind of Spider-Verse-y, but it's different versions of Grimjack throughout... History. <laughs> Rereading it, I wish we got to see more of them. They show very little of the army. No, we just get a couple of, like, two or three pages of it, and it's mostly what our John is doing, mm-hmm. and we see some background Johns. It's not, you know... And they even mostly look like the Saints. Yeah. We're not getting the Spider-Verse crossover, the or mm-hmm. Spider-Geddon, or whichever version of... But I, I think he even points out that some of them are versions of him that even technically won't exist. <laughs> so you get the implication that there's like there's a superhero John Gaunt in there. There's a cartoon John Gaunt in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the fucking Council of Ricks. Council of King. Or the Council of Reeds, mm-hmm. which never goes well. The only time people meeting up with their own versions across the multiverse together to work together... The only time that goes well is when they're only together for about three or four issues. Tends to go a little wild after that. So this is going to be on to things. Is there a... There have been rumors of a TV show coming for years. Okay. In theory, Russo, the Russo brothers are working on it for Netflix in the same way that they're working on Battle of the Planets. But when I was looking this up for this episode... There's not been real news on it in, in over a year. Okay. Uh, I want to say it was either early 2020 or early 2021, the last time there was anything on it. And it was just the Russo brothers are going to work on this. Which, first off, hell yes. Yeah. But also, they're working on Magic the Gathering. They're also mm-hmm. working on Battle of the Planets. They're working on this. They're work- it's kind of like how every time Taika signs up for something, we want to talk about it, but we also don't because... So many things never make it out of this stage. Well, I think so far most of his have happened. Guillermo, on the other hand. Yeah. yeah d- that guy. D- d- <laughs> I love you, Guillermo. But, man, Guillermo would be fucking great at making this. Guillermo probably would be a lot of fun at doing this. Guillermo would be great. Taika would be great. Like, oh, I'm, I'm would be fun. the Russos, I think, would I'm be very great. Ex- the Russos will be very, because, uh, I mean, we know they can do humor. Community yeah. was very funny, and they put their teeth on that. And, and we know they can development. do. I forgot they did Arrested mm-hmm. Development stuff, too. And they did a bunch of fucking Avengers movies. We know they can do action. Yes. 
So there's, and we don't know how involved they're producing. So what that means is up in the air, Mm -hmm. but we know they have the talent to like recognize other people with the same talent. So we'll see. Yeah. They're the types of creatives we trust with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who do you cast? Now, this is the one part you and I remember from our last episode. And I'm still going to stick by who we kind of talked about, but I think I, I thought of at least one other person that okay. I don't remember if we brought up. Let's save our final choice for it. And I'm not even sure he's my top choice, but he's kind of the best one. My first one is Carl Urban. Okay. Urban would be good, especially now that he's starting to get older. He's getting older. We've seen him do dread. We know he can do that, like, super over-the-top grim. And we've seen him play uh, McCoy from Star Trek. He's He can... Feel. I know he's in Lord of the Rings too, but his character does not do much in that. Like, right. Not to knock Lord of the Rings, but I don't. I don't even remember his name. I'd say uh, John Bernthal. Bernenthal would be good. I'm gonna I think up, he'd look really good with he'd that look scar. Real too. good too. Um, on the same note, I'm gonna put Thomas Jane up there. Absolutely. Or I agree. The guy who played the Punisher in fucking Warzone, whose name I don't remember, but was decent. Uh, Ray Stevenson. Honestly, he might have been my favorite actor to play Punisher, but he's not the best Punisher thing we've done. Well, and Warzone is the most comic accurate. Probably why it's the one I enjoyed the most. It's not the best. It's not very good, but it is more comic. Yeah, different thing. Uh, Honestly, surprisingly, and I didn't thought of none of those till you said that. If you can play the Punisher, you can pretty much play Grimjack. You hear that, Dolph Lundgren? (laughs) I rescind (laughs) my statement. Thank you. Oh, God, I had someone else, but mm. I can't think of who it, you You want someone who could take a fucking beating and who looks I mean, like he would look, be through some shit. Brolin would probably be pretty good. Liam Neeson. Liam's getting a little bit older than I'd like to see a Grim Liam Jack, Neeson but... about 15 years ago. Yeah, because I'd also say, like, eh, Stephen Lang's a little bit lanky for it, but he would also be good, except he's also starting to get he's getting too old. a yeah. bit old. Yeah. Oh, God, Lang would have been great back in the day. Dude, honestly, back in the day, like, a young Sly Stallone would be good, too. Uh-huh. Uh, Brolin's a good a good one. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that one. The one we settled on last time, Henry Cavill. Which, actually, rereading these while watching The Witcher, I'm like, there's a lot of similarities with these characters. He would knock it out of the fucking park. Oh, it would be so easy. And he also has expressed a very happy willingness to work on Netflix properties. Yeah, and he's a super fucking giant nerd through and through. Like, yeah. he probably likes Grimjack. If he he plays 40K, even if he doesn't know what Grimjack is, if we put Manx's cat in his hands, he'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Look, I would rather see him doing Grimjack than some of the things he's expressed interest in doing. The Red Dead Redemption? He's expressed interest in doing a Red Dead Redemption. If anybody wants to do it, he's interested. Um... Like, I I think he would do a good job. I can't, I don't know which character I'd place him as. I've seen, since he did that interview, revealed that, people have been like, oh yeah, he'd be a fucking great Arthur Morgan. I'm like, no, he wouldn't be. He'd be a fucking terrible Arthur Morgan. <laughs> he's, he'd be good he's, in a Western, but he's, he's way not too young. He's way too pretty. Why do you want him as Arthur Morgan? Like, get Graham McTavish, like, all day long. I, and I say that mostly just because they're both in this latest season of The Witcher together. So I just saw Graham McTavish again. Uh, does the voice for Dracula in Castlevania. Oh, okay. He was one of the dwarves in the Hobbit movies. I can't remember which one. Um, and yeah. he was also the saint of killers and preacher. I just had a fun idea. 
I'm not saying it would be a good idea. The guy who played Heatwave in Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> um, Dominic, um, Dominic Purcell. Yeah. I think he'd be a lot of fun in this. Oh, dude. Oh, <laughs> are you kidding? Dude, Dominic Purcell, it might be the sleeper. Like, that's a good <laughs> fucking pick for Grimjack. That's He's a got, good fucking Grimjack pick. needs to be gritty, and he needs to be fucking ripped. Grimjack is a big dude. Not like the rock big. Like, mm-hmm. that dude needs to stop taking as many steroids as he takes. But professional, like, career professional soldier big. Mm-hmm. The guy who played Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan, maybe in like 10 to 15 years. I was I was going to bring that up. Like, I don't think he would be my number one choice, but I would like to see. I think he could do it. Yeah. His take on it, especially after watching him be the Winter Soldier through all of these things. Like, mm-hmm. It is the hard point with Grimjack. He starts as an old man. Yeah. He's one of those characters that he is old. When he start when it, this goes on, he has these like, there's no way he's under his 40s. No. Probably 50s when this starts. And that's at the beginning of this. Which, the fact that Joe falls in love with him and Killer Instinct, and I'm like, oh man, he's like your dad's age. Kind of skeeves me out, but whatever. It's a classic noir mm-hmm. thing. The old hard-boiled detective who's seen it all. I'm trying to think of other actors... Problem is, most of the actors who would sign up for this are smaller names enough that I probably don't know them. The bigger names that you run the risk of it just being, oh, look, that's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Which is like Henry Cavill's the perfect in between because uh-huh. he's a big name that's a giant fucking nerd that would be totally into this. Oh, he'd be so good. He'd commit to the part. Because that's the thing. You have to commit, but you have to accept that this is goofy at the same time. Mm hmm. But they'll get super dark. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't rewatch Witcher, though, while reading this and being like, there's just so much in common with oh. these fucking characters. I think it's like, between Cavill and Dominic Purcell as their, like, that's top two. Pick. Yeah. That's a good pick. I really like him. Danny DeVito, if he was, like, 20 years younger, could play Roscoe super well. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. That'd be um, so funny. That'd be fucking funny. Blackjack? Just hire Samuel L. Jackson. I don't care what age he is. Um, huh? Yeah. I wouldn't be bad. Maybe the guy that played the younger Shaft in the most recent Shaft movie. Oh, yeah. Fuck, who was that? I don't know. I, I never even remember. saw that movie. It wasn't supposed to be very good. But none of the Shaft movies are, so like that's Shaft, not really... Shaft, yeah. We're just I'm talking about Shaft. To, I'm not going to go watch Shaft because I am going for, like, high quality. I'm going to watch a goofy fucking movie about a black private eye named Shaft. Yeah. Or three black private eyes named Shaft. I can dig it. <laughs> of course you can. Um, oh, and I just wanted to say, uh, whereas with Killer Instinct, I had to say Ninja Mimes, Battle Cherubs. Horrifying. Makes Cat. That was a Horrifying. <laughs> oh, young Mark Hamill to play uh, uh, the the bartender, whose name I've forgotten again. Oh, uh, Gordon. Gordon. Okay. Uh, I'm talking like New Hope Young. I was going to say uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I stand corrected. As Gordon. In just really small roles so you can actually afford him. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. And Alan Tudyk voicing uh, Bob the Lizard. You just need Alan Tudyk for anything. So, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> it would mostly just be like one. Rec- 
I read about how in the Power Rangers, the reason why Zordon's voice always looks a little off is because they only recorded the first episode and then oh. they just reused that same yes. image to save money for every other episode of the series. So it would just basically be like, get Alan Tudyk to say, Jim and friend. <laughs> and then, then just sing like that. an angel. And sing like, you know, I don't know if Alan Tudyk can sing, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. He went to Juilliard. You can probably sing if you graduated from Juilliard. All this mention of Tudyk reminds me that I need to finish the latest season of Doom Patrol, but... Is he in Doom Patrol? He's Mr. Nobody. Oh, that's right! Which is amazing. Oh my god. Oh, it made me so happy. <laughs> I don't know if I have too much more here. Other than read it? Yeah. It's actually why I was looking for it, because this was not going to be an overwhelming episode. We could just be like, this is so fun. Do we have any critiques? I mean, the biggest critique is that... It's a little predictable. I was about to say, and that doesn't even go for Manx Cat. Like, Manx Cat subverts the tropes for mm -hmm. the most part. Um, Killer Instinct is predictable because it plays into every fucking trope that they're setting up. Like Any critique I have is kind of any critique I have of just the noir genre. You know, every woman is a femme fatale sex kitten mm -hmm. who is super into someone who's like 55 when they're like sexy, beautiful, capable 22. But even that, like they tend to be respectful of the women, even while having them be, you know, Catwoman types. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I never felt like any of the characters just existed to be eye candy. I agree. So even my critique is not a huge critique. It is know what you're getting into. This is goofy sci-fi noir. Yeah. If you are expecting a deep, tender story with like... And like more like old school noir too, mm -hmm. where there's like an action beat every 10 pages because it's fucking pulpy. Yeah, you gotta... It, it, it's sci-fi, it's pulp, it's noir, it's superhero, well, without admitting it's superhero. Your character's not really a hero, but he does have a good heart underneath. Mm -hmm. him, but he's pissed about it. Like... If it's a hardship he's endured, he'll go out of his way to help somebody with mm -hmm. it. But otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, that's kind of just sinister. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Jet, as I said, from Cowboy Bebop. Like, I I don't think... But if if he did, if the people who created Cowboy Bebop had read Grimjack, I wouldn't be terribly surprised, other mm -hmm. than I don't know if it ever went to Japan. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. He's kind of an anime hero, actually. <laughs> like, he yeah. is... Yeah, I could, could I could get down with an anime version of Grimjack. If you put him on the space battleship Yamato, he wouldn't look wildly out of place. Like, or Captain Harlock is who I meant, mm. was thinking of. But oh, that'd be cool. Mm. That's awesome. I don't have much more to add. Do we have recommendations? Yeah, um, I'm going to actually go with two from the creators. Okay, I'm going to go Star Wars Legacy from John Ostrander and Jan. I think it's Duracema. Uh, it is. It's not the first story to go after, you know, like the next generation and what happens mm -hmm. after Jedi. But it is the only story to try and go over 100 years after the original trilogy. Mm. It is about Luke's great grandson, Cade Skywalker. Uh, it was written out of existence by the new Disney stuff, but I don't care. I like the new Disney stuff. I like the old stuff. Like it's it's still super worth reading. If you have ever seen a cosplay of a Sith Twi'lek in a bikini. That's Darth Talon. That's from this story. Gotcha. She's a little cheesecakey, but she's also 
still pretty dangerous and cool at the same time. Okay. And she's the only real, not the only, but she's like the cheesecakiest part of this. And we're like, we can have Star Wars be a little sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other is Tim Truman's run on Conan the Barbarian. Because it's the best run I've ever read of Conan the Barbarian. In comics form, at least. I don't, uh, this is going to be kind of general because it was decently long running and has a number of spinoffs. But I'm kind of just going to recommend like getting into some Hellboy in general. Hell yeah. Oops. Um, was at, at work earlier this week. I ended up in just a conversation of like, what went wrong with the latest Hellboy reboot? And I was like, a lot. A lot. It was still kind of fun in spite of itself, but. Uh, David Harbour's a good choice for a Hellboy. One of the biggest problems is like choosing a storyline that doesn't occur till like two thirds to three quarters of the way through the run to like start a reboot off with. Anyway, then I had to explain a little bit like, yeah, it's really weird. Like Hellboy just like fucks off and lives under the ocean for a bit. And like, I think the different movie versions and just the design of the character have given uh, a perception of what Hellboy is that the comics really aren't. Mm-mm. They're a lot slower and more contemplative and melancholic, but still fun reads. They're period mood pieces. I have honestly never read much Hellboy, and I have really been thinking about diving into that. I've kind of, I can follow my shifts in my brain of like what I'm into, and I've been really into like old school pulp. I've been enjoying Vampirella. I've been Mm -hmm. enjoying, you know, and I can feel the brain starting to shift away from that a little bit to kind of Grimjack. And I think Hellboy might finally come up because they do have a lot of very similar inspirations, even if they go in completely different directions. I mean, yeah, super, super similar inspirations. Like Hellboy is a, Noir detective. It's a noir detective with heavy pulp influences and H.P. Lovecraft love letters. Yeah. But it's a lot more of an introspective view on it when you actually get into it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Magnolia's also, art is, I was about to say, Magnolia's art is so... I love it to death. It is so weird. It is, like, the most beautiful, ugly art I've ever seen. Yeah. And then every artist he hires, because he doesn't do much of his own art. He hasn't mm-hmm. in years. But it continues. He finds artists who aren't him, but are close enough to him that it never feels. It never the off. art. Yeah, the the art doesn't feel like there's a continuity break in it. If that makes sense. If you get the chance, read the side series too. Um, because I've read a few more of those. Because there's a mm. little less like needing to be in than accidentally picking up Hellboy Volume 15 or something like that. Right. Uh, the Adventures of Lobster Johnson was one of my favorites. Oh, if we're going to do recommendations and we're talking about him, the amazing screw on head is one of the most amazing <laughs> things Mignola ever fucking did. The cartoon and the comic. And they're only, they're short. They're, it's only like 15 minutes long. Well, I was going to say there's an added bonus with a different Mignola story. Um, if you get to the end of the Hellboy run, mm-hmm. some of those last panels will, I think the last couple panels will absolutely destroy you if you've read the short story that he did with his daughter. Oh, I've not. So I don't know. I'm excited. Um, you don't have to tell me about it if you don't want to. Yeah, don't no, want to I, well, it, it was a, uh, 
God, I can't remember which award it won, but it was an award-winning story making because his daughter is uh, credited as co-author. Like she's technically the youngest person who have ever won that award. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's, I think like he had her basically come up with the story and then basically acted as editor on it so that it kind of flowed. Cause it, Kind of like reads Axe like a cop, but not as ridiculous. But not as ridiculous. It's just like about this wizard that makes a friend who then dies, but gets to spend some extra time with the wizard until that time runs out. Oh, that's cute and sad. That's very much a Bignola story. Yeah. He also did what he did Gotham by Gaslight, didn't he? Yes. Oh God, he had such a good run of of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And the the covers for the um, the Solomon Kane comics, mm. which he are also some beautiful covers because of that. <laughs> he also did some Conan work. Mm. He he kind of keeps Dark Horse afloat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just like getting Hellboy, it's so fun. It's and super like, worth if it. we're gonna recommend Grim Jack, then like my mind is going to go to Hellboy some too. So good choice. God, I would love those two teamed up. I don't oh, think it be, ever happens, but it'd be mm, so good. That'd be fun. Next time, we are starting our biggest project ever, and both of us have just gotten very wide-eyed because we're a little intimidated about what's coming up. Our friend Yui, our first guest, my son, is coming back to the show for our first four-part series where we are going to cover the entirety of all ten seasons of Adventure Time. Look, not just cover it, like, they sent us over a plan for the episodes, like... It's in-depth, and I am I am really looking forward to see what happens on this one. Um, I just, like, I don't... At this point, like, that plan is way better than anything we've put together, and I'm worried about being the weak link, but... <laughs> well, we have almost... Between the two of us, we have, like, maybe an hour's worth of connection to Adventure Time. Yes, maybe. They've watched <laughs> the show through many times. <laughs> so that's going to be real exciting. But the two hosts who are supposed to know things are both like, um... But you know what? It'll be an adventure. Yeah. It'll be a time. And it'll be about liking things. Because I actually have liked what little I've seen. Yo, if nothing else, I'm going to get to listen to a shit ton of Johnny D and I like him, so... Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> but that's next time. In the meantime, we're your generals of Fernery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed! Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.